0: Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the four string sports podcast. We continue with our team previews. We stay in the NFC South for the third consecutive episode. Um, we talked about Atlanta. We talked about Carolina. We're now talking about the new Orleans saints. First year under Dennis Allen. First year in the post Sean Payton era. Um, Huge quarterback controversy walking into this season, the the battle between Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill seemed to officially make the change from not being a quarterback to being any other offensive piece that you could ask him to be, um, but it was not ultimately a very successful season for the Saints. They finished the year out seven and 10, but it was a real it, it was a good end to the season where they won three of their last four games that colors the Saints as maybe better than they were. but their year started with a uh, uh, 27 to 26 victory against Atlanta uh, to kick the year off. however they dropped three in a row after that including losses to Tampa Bay, Carolina and Minnesota before they turned around and beat the Seattle Seahawks They lost back to back games to the Bengals and Cardinals before beating the Raiders 24 to nothing. Um, Followed it up with back to back losses to the Ravens and Steelers, beat the Rams to get to four and seven, but then lost to the Niners and Buccaneers again, walking into their bye week at four and nine. At that point, pretty much dead in the water, but they rattled off three consecutive wins after their bye week, beating the Falcons, beating the Browns, and beating in week 17 your eventual NFC champion. Philadelphia Eagles 20 to 10, but they uh, close the season with a 10 to 7 loss to Carolina to finish 7 and 10. Andy Dalton uh, was the team's primary quarterback. He uh, started in 14 games, went 6 and 8. During that time period, 2,800 yards, 66.7% completion uh, percentage, 18 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Jameis Winston did have three starts where he went 1 and 2. He had 858 yards, 4 touchdowns. Five interceptions, a little bit closer to those classic Jameis Winston numbers we're used to. The team was led in rushing by Alvin Kamara, who finished the year with 897 rushing yards and two touchdowns. But it was really at the wide receiver position, rookie Chris Olave, who stood out 119 targets, 72 catches, 1,042 yards, and four touchdowns to lead the team in all categories, except for touchdowns, where Jawan Johnson led with seven. Um, defensively they had uh, some solid performers three interceptions from uh, Tyron Matthew the team was led in sacks by Cam uh, Jordan and Caden Ellis um, finished with 48 on the year but looking at it here seven and ten season in your first year post Sean Payton Mitch what stood out to you about the 2022 New Orleans Saints
1: yeah going into last season uh, when we're doing our offseason preview of them last year I, I had the Saints as a team that had very much boomer bust potential I thought that if Jameis Winston could get back to that four game stretch where he initially started with the Saints and they were just rolling and then he got hurt I thought the sky would be the limit for them Um, especially with the division that they're in Um, but obviously that didn't happen and I think the the defense played well I think it's like playoff ready borderline championship kind of caliber, but the offense just had a lot of issues last year. I mean, Chris Olave was really good at the wide receiver position, but it didn't help that Michael Thomas was hurt yet again. And there really wasn't a lot of good depth behind him to really contribute. Um, You can say that about the running game. Alvin Kamara was okay. Not the Alvin Kamara that we're accustomed to though. And it's not really a good sign that your second leading rusher is Taysom Hill. So there wasn't much there. It, I'm glad that they finally found a solution at the tight end position, maybe with Jawan Johnson, uh, with all the scoring he was able to do. Um, and it didn't help them at all that the their first uh, round pick and Trevor Penning, who was supposed to help mitigate the loss of Teron, Teron Armstead, was hurt a lot of the season. So just a lot of issues on the offense that I think really kept the Saints from seeing their potential. But if they can get healthy, I think they can do uh, some better things going forward.
0: Kevin, what about you? What were your thoughts?
2: I mean, I I know that between us, like when they hired, um, where they brought in their defensive coordinator to be like their their official head coach, um, like we, we could only look back into like that one time that he was with the Raiders, um, to kind of see what had happened. But that like it was kind of like with Josh Daniels a long time had happened. We didn't know really, um, how that would affect like how much he had grown. And so we I mean we can look at this this team defensively and we can look and be like they played relatively well. We know that their defense kept them in games um at times and that um sorry I'm like pulling up like their stuff. Um like their defense kept them in games, but we also know that like for a team that we were that had as much offensive potential as we could as they could it it, there would it was kind of lacking I mean you're you lose those like most of these losses I mean you don't score over 20 points like even some of your wins like I like looking there towards the end I mean you've like you're you beat Atlanta 21 to 18 you beat Cleveland 17 to 10 you beat Philadelphia 20 to 10 like you're not like, there, this offensive explosion that we were kind of expecting from this team never really happened. I mean, even like their best win, 39 to 32 against Seattle. And then the 34 to 42 um, loss against Arizona, where you have the picture of Luda Baker uh, jumping into the end zone, where an Dalton looks kind of defeated. I mean, like, Brady likes to bring up the John Madden quote that if you have two quarterbacks, you don't really have any. Um, and that was going between Jameis Woodson and Andy Dawson the entire season. Like just there was no rhythm. And so until like like Brady said, that very end where you win you rattle off three out of four. Um and so like like Brady had said, Jameis Woodson regressed into kind of what we expected of him. And but the thing is is that the strength of Jameis was supposed to be that he was an explosive quarterback. Like he, like yes, he couldn't take care of the ball very well, but he had a big arm that could make explosive plays and and you know push the ball. And they were and his teams were going to score points. That never materialized. That never happened. And so you bring in Andy Dalton, who you know isn't a bad quarterback, but is not. That's not his style. Much more of a game manager, especially as he's not older. Um, it didn't help that Michael Thomas never really stepped onto the field. It didn't help like Brady said that, Alv- or that they've said that Taysom Hill is your second leading rusher. There was no running game to be uh, spoken of Alvin Kamara's league of troubles and his suspensions didn't help anything as well. And so they're, they're for a team that could be, you know, pretty decent, um, at least offensively, none of that materialized. Chris Olave was the shining star for them this year. And so, if they had been able to get you know just even a little bit more offensive production you beat Tampa Bay in week 13 you can get to 8 and 9 you could beat Minnesota in week 4 like there's a bunch of one score games where even just a little bit more offensive firepower gets you they could push you to the playoffs because you know <laughs> like the NFC South absolutely was trash this year and so there's no ex- like this year there's no excuse there's no excuse for you know um like like having like for not winning this division in my opinion and especially with some of the moves that they've made um you you need to be able to play at a higher level and and if they can't then that's i mean i don't i don't think new orleans fans are going to be are going to be patient
0: about it yeah you know it when you look at their schedules like they have quality wins on this schedule you know Like, when you look, especially against that game against Philadelphia, 20 to 10, to hold a Philadelphia offense that broke how many offensive records this year to 10 points in Philadelphia is insane. The fact that in each of your last eight games, you gave up 20 or fewer points is crazy. The issue is you only went 4-4 and in that time period. Now, you were 3-6 and walking into that, and your first nine weeks of the season, you were atrocious. You, you were just bad. you struggled to win in division um you know you uh, lost to Minnesota in London on a last second kick um you got crushed by Arizona the, the score is 42 to 34. the game was never really that close. It was over by I think like the, right because I think New Orleans had like three turnovers on three straight drives right before halftime and Arizona had scored on all of them like it, it the game wasn't even close. You shut out the Raiders, which is great, but then you know losses to a Baltimore team that I believe was without Lamar Jackson in that game, and a, a, a an okay Pittsburgh team who hadn't quite found its footing yet. You were just average. You know, you had you had one or two wins against opponents that you probably shouldn't have beat in Seattle, but that was very early on in the season when it was still kind of a little too early to tell or figure out what was going on with Seattle, and then that big one against Philadelphia. But atro- <clears throat> atrocious in division. Uh, one and three against the AFC North. Um, you got shut out by San Francisco, 13 to nothing. Like, it's just crazy how well their defense played. Ninth in points per game, fifth in yards given up, second in passing yards given up, third in passing touchdowns given up, uh, third in passing yards per attempt. Um, when, it, when you break down per drive, they're pretty decent. But the, the core issue with New Orleans' defense, and I think this sort of stems back to team building, was a complete inability to force turnovers. When you look at amount of drives divided by, or or, sorry, amount of turnovers divided by amount of drives, they finished dead last in the NFL. So they had the fewest amount of drives that ended up in their defense forcing a turnover. Part um, of that stems when you have your primary pass rusher is a 33-year-old in Cam Jordan. Your primary linebacker is a 33-year-old in Demario Davis. You've got three major 30-plus-year-olds in Tyron Matthew, Chris Harris, and Bradley Roby who are out there starting for you. Um, you don't have an edge rusher who's producing for you who's really under the age of, like, 28. And what we'll get at is that a lot of these guys, well, outside of Kate Ellis, but he's 27, we'll get into a lot of these guys like like uh, uh, Shai Tuttle, who we talked about last week, are just aren't on the team anymore. So you've really sort of taken a step back over these last couple of years in drafting quality defensive prospects and and we'll talk about when we get into their draft because it is very defensive heavy but you can have a great defense statistically and that's what new orleans had but an inability to force turnovers kind of meant that the way this new orleans team looked was actually pretty similar to how chicago looked after they had their great nfc north uh season in in uh, what was that 2016 i think 2018 yeah. when so the season after that, when their defense is still very good, but couldn't force any turnovers, and therefore their offense couldn't capitalize on any turnovers. Well, so and, that's and, not good.
2: And like one thing I do want to say is I do think there were similarities between this defense. Like you you mentioned the 2019 Bears defense, but I want to like mention the 2019 Bucks defense, where I remember I remember us going into like going into that season, like before they won the Super Bowl. And like we argued about whether or not the Bucks' defense was actually good that year before. um, And like statistically, like statistically, we can look at all of these stats for New Orleans defense and be like, you no, know, they led and all of these different kinds of things. But when your offense is, you know, not like not doing well in time of possession, they're not doing well in terms of moving the ball and they're turning the ball over a lot. Um, which are things that this offense did struggle with you're having a short field for that defense and so like like I look towards like specifically that Arizona game like that outlier in terms of 42 points why were they scored that many points because their offense was absolutely atrocious through that and so when you're putting the defense into a into a short field like that like consistently um, like that I think that's huge some of those things do they still need to get the great takeaways it's not an excuse not to create those takeaways but i i think like we need to like when we're talking about like why that's an outlier i think that that is something that affects it when your offense is not producing and not doing anything and the other team has a pretty good starting like like has a pretty good starting field like a, or a place mm-hmm. to start their drives like that's going to color some of that and then you couple in you know the age that you mentioned with cam jordan and um, some of these other guys like Time Matthew and uh, Brandon Roby, like, yes, like, I think that's all compounding factors. But like, like, I just wanted, I just wanted to add that one. point. Sorry. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's not it, this is by no means me saying that the, the reason the offense was bad is the defense's fault. Everybody will look at a situation, you know, like when we're talking about Chicago from a couple of years ago or even this New Orleans team. We're going to look at it and say the offense was atrocious. And in a lot of ways, it was statistically they can kind of fool you when you break down like how they how they ranked league wise you're like okay for a seven and ten team this seems pretty average or in some cases they're closer to that like 14 or 17 range that's very middle of the league but when your defense is struggling to produce turnovers your offense is consistently having to go out there and hope that they're gonna put up a, a decent drive. Their average starting field position for their offense was their own 27 uh yard line ranked 21st in the league. That's not terrible. But when we go down to average drive, 21st in time of possession, 27th in place, 20th in yards, 21st in points on offense. Bad no, statistical and, yeah. categories there. Now, um But yeah, but I, but I don't think all, it's fair.
2: I don't think it's fair to blame the defense for that.
0: No, I don't no, I'm not blaming the defense for that. Okay. But what I what I am saying is that One reason why this team, frankly, wasn't better was because their defense could stop teams from scoring, but their defense couldn't force turnovers on a consistent basis. No, true. And they couldn't even average one turnover per game over the season here. And they had a couple games where they forced like three or four, and then they'd have a three or four week period. Where they just couldn't force a turnover at Whoa, all.
2: I I, and, I agree. But like what I'm like what I, I want to say is that like just because we can't, just like I can't say that you know, opponent starting field position, isn't a reason for not forcing turnovers. The other team not forcing, like your defense not forcing turnovers, isn't a good enough excuse for not scoring points on offense.
0: Well, I you know I think that when we look at the teams who have been ultra successful over the NFL uh, over these recent years, there's a high corroboration between amount of turnovers you force. And amount of games you win. Now, every coach sure. will tell you that. Yeah. Every interview that a coach has, regardless of the level of football you're watching, they're mm-hmm. always going to hit you with, so long as we win the turnover battle, I'm going to be happy. Yeah, um I agree. And New Orleans just fundamentally did not do that. Now that's as much on their offense as it is on their defense. But when we break down some of these games and you go, Okay, you lost 13 to nothing to San Francisco, your offense yeah. couldn't put up two two touchdowns, two scores two touchdowns and a field goal right when we go to a 16 to 17 loss to tampa bay a 20 to 10 loss to tampa bay we go to a four point loss to cincinnati a three point loss to minnesota you know a 10 to 7 loss to carolina to end the season there if two or three of those games go different regardless of of why they go different we're now talking about a saints team who is in the playoffs and we feel Mm -hmm. pretty decent about it but instead this is a Saints team who hired a head coach who had won eight total NFL games. Now, props to him. He won seven this year. So, you know, he's getting there. He's starting to turn it around. Fantastic, Dennis Allen. But this was a hiring that none of us were really a major fan of. And this was an execution on the season that i you cannot call a success. I, I don't even think you can necessarily call it. Ex- whatever expectations I had for the Saints, they did not meet those over the course of this season. And it sort of circles back to it's easy to get drawn in on the Saints because of their overall record of seven and 10. But those last three wins were really against teams who were pretty much garbage outside of Philadelphia in games that didn't really matter for anybody's playoff positioning. And also actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm fairly confident that win against Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts wasn't even playing. Um, I think Gardner Minshew was starting in that game. Um, So, so, this is a saints team that that really should have been a five and 12 team last year and they snuck out a couple of wins that they should but let's talk about some of their free agent moves because the saints did add uh some pieces across the board here obviously it starts with the signing of Derek carr at quarterback you bring in 32 year old Derek carr you're gonna pay him 37 and dollars next year to be your starting quarterback and he looks like the franchise guy, for the next couple of years. They did also sign uh, Jamal Williams, the former Packer halfback who uh, went out with the Lions. Um, uh, to, uh please? Um, they signed a, a Cardinals uh, center, Billy Price, to step in, um, as well as a couple of other guys, including uh, Carr's former tight end teammate, Foster Moreau, from the Raiders. Uh, congrats to him. He was battling some pretty nasty, uh, I want to say it was like leukemia, I believe. Um, uh, that kept him out of the league for a bit, but he's, he's back. Um, however, they did lose some quality players. David Onyabata went over to the Falcons, who we talked about Marcus Davenport to the Vikings. Andy Dalton who was your starting quarterback most of last year. He's now with the Panthers. So is shy Tuttle. So taking a look at some of their free agent gains and losses, uh, Mitch, what stands out to
1: you? Yeah, I think the addition of Derek Carr is obviously going to help. I think with a, I know he had his ups and downs in the, um, Vegas and Oakland, but I think he is probably their best quarterback, like potential wise, and what I think he can do on the field with this team since, uh, Drew Brees' twenty sixteen season when he had like five thousand touchdowns or not touchdowns yards, um, 5, 37 touchdowns,
0: touchdowns.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five thousand yards, thirty seven touchdowns, and like fifteen picks. Um, I think he can bring at least close to that kind of production for this team, which obviously they needed for a while now. Um, so I think that was a good, good move for them, um, and then we talked about the, the running situation last year, now to bring a guy like Jamal Williams, who had a breakout year last year, over a thousand yards and 17 touchdowns, that's perfect, uh, especially with uh, Alvin Kamara maybe having this to be suspended for a few games, we still don't know about that, um, so those are great additions to the offense, and then defensively what they did, um, I know he's not a big name, but to bring in a guy like Kaylen Saunders from the Chiefs, who was very much an underrated glue guy for that defense. Uh, forty-eight tackles, three and a half sacks, nine pressures. I think that's perfect. After losing um guys like David Onyemena and Shai Tuttle, who were pretty much in the exact same mold as a guy like Kaylen Saunders, so I think it was good on them to get that. Um, and I think uh an addition by subtraction for the Saints is Marcus Davenport. I mean, the dude was just kind of a Bust from the beginning. He had that one kind of good year, but he really didn't give them anything in the pass rushing department. Um, So good on them to kind of finally cut ties with him.
0: Yeah, I agree. Skyler, what are your thoughts?
2: Sorry, you did. Um, Yeah, like getting Derek Carr, um, I think played out really well for them. I think that I again not like he'll be a good quarterback for you know next two or three years or however long his what three year contract is what he signed. I believe. Um, he. yeah. So like in him for three years, I think he's going to be good. We've always, we've always raved about how he was a little bit, um, under-appreci- underappreciated. Um, one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, kind of brings you back to you know that Drew Brees style of offense. Of you know he'll probably do a little bit more of a quick slant. Probably I mean he's and he's going to be accurate no matter where he's um he's gonna be throwing to and I get him with like Chris Alave and you know if Michael Thomas actually ever comes back from injury um that'll be good for them too um pairing him well with Alvin Kamara and some of those other guys that are coming in will be nice. um or me, sorry um getting uh, Jamal Williams, I think is a great addition for them because even if Alvin Kamara comes back then you have. Jamal Williams, who you know, that's a great tandem between the two of them of what they can do. If not, I think Jamal Williams can slot into if Alvin Kamara doesn't come back or he's suspended for a while. We like Mitch said, we don't know. Um, Jamal Williams can put go put into be put into that position where he can um do a lot of the similar same things that Jamal that Alvin Kamara can do. Maybe not at the same kind of level. Um, but definitely can work similar in the scheme so you're not kind of – you're not missing a huge piece because, again, like we said, Alvin Kamara wasn't – like 800 yards did relatively well, but he wasn't the same Alvin Kamara that we've seen in the past. So Jamal Williams gets a chance to kind of shine just a little bit more um, down there, which I think will be good. And then the signing – I liked was Jonathan Abrams from. Um, He was at – Seattle. while he finished the season with Green Bay or Seattle. yeah. Finish the yeah. season with Seattle um but if they can get him um back to 21 Jonathan Abrams you know had uh had 116 total uh total tackles uh, 64 solo tackles um had five tackles for a loss like was was used all over the place for that Los, uh, Las Vegas team that um correct me if I'm wrong but made the playoffs um-hmm um, then, uh, then that's a great addition at safety. Um, and he played 26 he, – he's still only 26. Um, he's bounced around a lot to, you know, now this would be his fourth different team. Um, but I think that he can play – he can play relatively well. He can be a good cornerstone safety for you. Um, whether or not you want to have him a little bit further in the back, he has been – he can um, – play the pass or you can put him in the box and he's willing and he's shown that he's willing to go up and, and make a tackle as well. I mean he's the guy has uh nine quarterback uh hits in his in his career um uh in a four in a four-year career. Like he's he's more than willing to go after the quarterback um and willing to go into the backfield and make a hit if he needs to and he's more than willing to to stay back um and and play in coverage if you need him as well. So I think that the guy he can play well but it's definitely you're you're taking a shot there because uh over the last um the last season i mean he the guy played for three different teams he played in 15 games and he had not even about half of the same kind of production that he had before um so if you can get him some some stability and you know put him on a pretty good defensive team i think he can do well
0: yeah i mean i would i would probably just so first i'll start off by saying uh going back to Mitch's point about addition by subtraction. How happy do you think Ty Matthew is now that he doesn't have to play next to Daniel Sorensen anymore? Um, You know, uh, now now that he's gone. Um, So here's my issue with the saints is the saints have been playing fast and loose with the NFL's cap space for years now. And we can finally start to see it like fully biting them in the ass. This team is projected to be $61 million over the cap next year i don't know how how they're gonna feel the team at, at all like this isn't like this is a saints team that has like some obscene amount of draft compensation that they can always fall back on so many of these moves are just depth moves i don't really understand re-signing Jameis winston but at $4 million a year, quality backup, okay, you know, I get it. You've got a, a 32-year-old and a 29-year-old at your quarterback position. I don't love allowing both Anyamata uh, and Davenport to walk, but Davenport took a huge payday in Minnesota, about $13 million a year. Saints couldn't hope to match it. Um, when we talk about the additions, I, I like the addition of Billy Price helps on the interior of your offensive line. Just like Mitch said, I liked uh, the addition of uh, Kalen Saunders. I think that was a really solid pickup, and paying him $4 million a year is, is um, not too bad there. Uh, between holding on to Jawan Johnson, who again led your team in touchdowns last year, and bringing in Foster Moreau, that's, that's pretty good quality for what you've paid. You've paid for about $10 million per year between the two of them, and considering that one of them was a high producer for touchdowns for you and the other one is walking in with a pre-existing relationship with your quarterback, that works out really well for you. They reworked Michael Thomas's deal so he's only getting paid about 10 million next year, which is huge for them. They brought back Andreas Pete, brought back Will Lutz. But did, really outside of the Jamal Williams signing, there's not a lot of in my mind quality behind the guys that they brought in. Derek Carr last year, 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Let's take a look at how it compares to Andy Dalton. Six more touchdowns, five more interceptions. For a seven and ten football team, is that really what you're you're hoping for? Like Andy Dalton, it didn't translate into wins, but he didn't play terrible for you last year. And if you're a team who was gonna stick with a non-superstar or a non-investment at the quarterback position through the draft, I don't understand paying a 32 year old 37 and a half million while you allow uh, a 36 year old and Andy Dalton who played decent for you to walk to Carolina at 5 million a year. When you're, when you're already as screwed financially as the saints are, I don't understand the Derek Carr signing too much. And this doesn't seem to me to be a lasting signing. So maybe this is my like big prediction before we even get to that part, but there's no way Derek Carr plays out his contract with the saints. There, there's no way the saints simply cannot afford to have Derek Carr play out his contract for them over these next couple of years with how ruined financially they are in, uh, in cap space. Um, you might get some relief as some of your older quality players retire, but that opens up a, a whole new can of worms there. Um, speaking of cans of worms, let's head over to the saints draft where they uh Had an interesting draft, traded a couple of times in the first round, ended up with the 29th overall pick where they took Brian Brisee, the defensive tackle, out of Clemson, I believe the former number one overall recruit out of high school when he left high school. I think so. I believe so. So, Somewhere along those lines. In the second round, they went back onto the defensive side of the ball when they took Isaiah Foskey, the edge rusher out of Notre Dame. In the third round, they took Kendra Miller, running back out of TCU. In the fourth round, they took Nick Saldiveri, offensive tackle out of Old Dominion. Um, They also took Jake Hayner, the quarterback out of Fresno State, in the fourth round. In the fifth round, they took Jordan Howden, safety out of Minnesota. And in the sixth round, they took A.T. Perry, the wide receiver out of Wake Forest, who turns in the black and gold to start wearing the black and gold. Mitch, taking a look at the uh, Saints draft class there, how would you grade the uh, incoming prospects for the Saints?
1: Yeah, I think Brian Perse is a very interesting player. Um, he really didn't live up to the hype coming into uh, college, but I think that had more to do with uh, some of the injuries that he had and uh, some of the personal issues that he kind of had to overcome um, with the loss in his family. But I think if the, he can stay healthy this season, in um, his right, you know, mentally, emotionally, that kind of stuff, I think he has the potential to be a really a big game record uh, for this defense and especially in the middle. So I, I have high expectations for this guy. If, if everything goes right for him um, and then to bring in a guy like Isaiah Focassi, um, from Notre Dame, who was really productive last year, 44 tackles, 13 and a half for a loss and 10 and a half sacks. But for some reason really didn't get the media attention as some of the other guys who did. Um, I feel like He's a step over Marcus Davenport, and uh no matter what, whether he starts or whether he's gonna be in a rotation coming in, I think he's gonna give them great depth and uh, really give them great production uh, in year one. So I think that was smart on them because they're obviously gonna going need it because Cam Jordan's not getting any younger. Um, you know, they put depth at some great places. Kendre Miller, running back, which is awesome. Uh they're loading up on awesome. It's line. Um, which they kind of need just due to some of those guys who can't stay healthy at times. Um, safety positioned, uh, Jordan Howard is never a bad idea. And then Jake Haner, uh, like Brady kind of talked about, Jameis Winston really isn't the guy, he's only there for a year. And you know, with the uncertainty of where their Derek Carr is going to finish out his contract with the Saints, at least you have that guy in, um, in the background or honing on his game. So if that day does come, you do have a, um, a backup plan, and then picking up H. T. Perry. Uh, I thought he would have been a lot uh sooner than he did. Uh, last year, eighty one catches, over a thousand yards, eleven touchdowns. Um, I don't think that guy's capable of being a number one, number two kind of guy. But I think if uh Michael Thomas is healthy, and you know, obviously you have Chris Olave, I think he could be a great number three uh guy for them this season. Um, so I would probably have to give this uh. I'd probably give them a straight out A. The, I relating really like what they did. I don't think they really missed on positions that they needed. I think it was an overall pretty great draft for them.
0: And A, Skyler. What about you?
2: Um, I'll go with a B plus. Not not as high, but still still high. Um, I, the thing I like the most about Percy is that, um, he can play multiple places on the interior and even on the exterior on that defensive line. If you need him to line up at edge, you can line up at edge. If you need him to line up, um, at nose tackle or just as like, uh, off the center or off the guard, he can do that. Um, that's going to be the, I mean, the, that's a, it's a plug and play defensive lineman and that's awesome. That's exactly what you want. Um, I think, um, Fosky is going to be good, but he needs to like the the thing I think like just a why he didn't get as much attention is because like he he didn't get to the pass or a lot, but when he did, he usually was able to get home. So like he could when he got a pressure, he usually got like he hit him or he got a sack or something like that, but his pass pass win rate wasn't high. And so if you can get him to be more consistent with that and get a little bit higher on winning, um, winning as a pass rusher at the next level, I think that that can work out really well for you. And so like, I, it, it he's a little bit more developmental, but again, with how well that this defense has played and, you know, with Cam Jordan there and some other experienced guys, I think he's, that's a, that's a great team to learn under with Foskey. Um, Miller did well last year. He averaged 6.5 yards uh, a carry, which is exactly what you kind of want. He forced 70 missed tackles. Um he's going to be the kind of player that, you know, um can do well and especially if Alvin Kamara isn't going to be playing for a while then you have another backup in there that you can bring in and do well. Um getting Salvadari is good for at tackle. He's going to be great for uh, pass blocking. Um I think Hayner um, can do well i just i don't know if you drafted him for to be a backup or if you drafted him to you know maybe be a potential successor um we'll see um howden um from minnesota i think could could be a sneaky pick especially on you know, like special teams are in a backup role for this team because he f- almost 20 percent forced incompletion rate he did never really ma- miss a tackle and he is a veteran a veteran safety from Minnesota playing in the Big 10. Um I think that he could play a lot of really really good snaps for this team if they if they put him in. Um and then um Perry um like he he can play really well and like Mitch said I think that with everyone else that you have you can you can put him into that um like third or fourth kind of person in that rotation. I think he can definitely get snaps for them. Um, but i mean and we'll see how he develops again at that second level um so i i think for all of these guys they're all players that you know could potentially have a future and can could contribute to this team but some of them are contributing right away some of them have a little bit of a downside um and so or they specialize at like one really good thing and we'll see if that is able to translate to the next level and so that's where it's a b plus they can all contribute but it's just it's can they can they translate or can they expand what they're good at to be be successful and good for this team
0: yeah I guess I'm gonna be the most negative Nelly about the Saints draft I I do still give it a beat um starting with what I like uh, Brian Percy has when I look at Brian percy I see a less um poly- less athletic
2: Brady Mill Brady Russell
0: Brady Russell yeah yeah, yeah um uh, i see a less polished jj watt type and it kind of circles back to like what skyler said about you know he can play d tackle he can play D end, he can play straight over the center i think he can play in, in a lot of the the gaps there um but he he's definitely gonna have to work on unfortunately his game in general i think brian percy kind of There were a lot of moments last year in watching his tape at Clemson where it felt like he relied too much on just his sheer power. And in the NFL, that's not going to get you as far as you think. You know, when we look at some of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL, they don't rely on their sheer power. They pull it out when they need to, and they can have an extremely effective bull rush. But it's as much about reading and reacting to the gaps as they open and your position, your ability to hit a shed block, your ability to eat up gaps, that's going to be the most important thing for you as a quality defensive tackle. I don't know how well Brian Bracy is going to work with that. Isaiah Foskey, I think, has one of the highest ceilings of the edge rushers in this draft class. I just worry that he's not going to get a ton of, I just worry he's not going to get a ton of, playing time. Um, The saints have uh, uh, problems at that other edge rusher outside of cam Jordan, but the saints have attempted to draft that over a number of years. And they've yet to develop an additional secondary edge rusher with cam Jordan. Um, And cam Jordan is a great player, but he's no longer a guy where teams are forced to double team him every play. And now that Foskey is going to walk into a system where if he's the starter, he's going to really have to, to work to there's going to be an expectation that he should pull out five or six sacks this next season. If he doesn't do that, I don't really know where it fits. Um, with Kendry Miller, I think it's a great pick. I just don't know where he's going to fit in this offense this year where Jamal Williams obviously seems like he's going to fit a, a niche of that, like hard nosed third down style, short yardage back. And Alvin Kamara is a little bit more of a Mr. Do everything. Um, Kendry Miller can definitely work in both the rushing and the receiving game. And if his whole job is to come in and get five carries a game where he steps in for Alvin Kamara, fine. But for a third round pick, when in my opinion, you're desperately in need of depth at the corner position. And you have corners available like Garrett Williams, um, Riley Moss, who gets drafted shortly after, um, as well as like Makai Blackman in the third round. I, I don't know if Kendra Miller is the best use of your resources. Um, with everybody else, uh, they're okay picks except for A.T. Perry. I, th- this guy has the potential to be an absolute steal. My big knock on the Saints draft walking into the final few rounds was that they had not taken a pass catcher at all um, because we didn't fully know the status of Michael Thomas. They had brought in tight ends like Foster Moreau, but it felt like they needed another guy, and I think getting A.T. Perry in the sixth round is an absolute steal. I give it a, sit, a, a B overall because I, I think that there could very easily be some fit issues with the guys that they brought in. I think all of these guys on paper are really great talents, but I don't know. Maybe it's just like my my ridiculously little amount of faith in Dennis Allen that I don't know if they're actually going to be able to develop guys like Brissy and Foskey into being the, the quality players that I think that they can be. So with that being said, Let's take a look at the Saints' schedule for 2023 and give our predictions. They will start off at home against the Tennessee Titans in week one before going on the road to Carolina and following it up with a road trip to Green Bay. They come back home against uh, division rival Tampa Bay before going on the road against New England and uh, then traveling down to Houston to take on the Texans. They come back home against Jacksonville at the Colts, back home against Chicago at Minnesota before a bye week, they come out of their bye on the road against Atlanta before three straight home games against the Lions, Panthers, and Giants, uh, followed up by going on the road to the Rams at Tampa Bay and closing the season at home against Atlanta. So, Mitch, the New Orleans Saints 7-10 and 10 last year. Dennis Allen, second year, new quarterback at Derek Carr. Expectation right now is that Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas seem to be okay for week one but we're kind of waiting on the Camaro suspension to fully go through, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So with all that being said, how do you have the Saints finishing in 2023?
1: Yeah, I guess I'm going to drink the Saints Kool-Aid again. I have them going 12 and five. Um, Like looking at, but I mean, looking at the schedule, you just said, I mean, it's a cakewalk. I mean, the toughest teams that are on the schedule are what? The the Jaguars, uh, the Lions, and then, depending on how things kind of go with uh, the Titans and getting DeAndre Hopkins into there. Otherwise there's a lot of easy teams. I mean, the bucks are are not good. The Rams aren't good. The giants, who knows with the whole Saquon thing, the Falcons aren't there yet. The Vikings are on a downtrend. The bears, I don't think are there yet. The Colts are still figuring stuff out. Texans are Texans. um, and so on and so forth so I feel like it's a very doable schedule and with bringing in a guy like Derek Carr I think he has the potential to play better than what he was last year I mean just first off he has a better offensive line in my opinion than he had in Vegas for numerous years uh if Michael Thomas can stay healthy he's got Michael Thomas and Chris Olave to throw to um I feel like the running game situation's set up for him, and they have a tight end option finally in Jawan Johnson. So I feel like Derek Carr has everything he needs to succeed, and uh, like I talked about at the beginning of the show, the defense is still good. Uh, Yes, are they old? Is it pretty old? Yeah, but I mean Cameron Jordan, Demario Davis, and Tyron Matthew are still showing up and showing out, so... I just feel like even though I'm not high on the Joe Woods hiring of DC just because of the job that he did in Cleveland, um, I just feel like he it's too good to, uh, for him to really fuck it up. Um, So I just think with all those contributing factors, I think they can go 12 and five.
0: 12 and five. So I take it you have them winning the NFC South then?
1: Yes, they're taking the South and the third seed in the NFC. The
0: third seed in the NFC. Skyler, um, now it's not it's not crazy, right? Every year we've had at least four teams who didn't make the playoffs the year before make the playoffs. We've always had a worst to first. Saints wouldn't meet that criteria, but what are your thoughts on the 2023 Saints?
2: I, I think they're going to make the playoffs, but it's more because the NFC South just sucks.
0: <laughs>
2: um, I have them going 9-8. and eight. Um, I do really think it comes down to like those final two weeks. It's between I, I said it in our Falcons episode. I think it's between those two teams, and I just think of how this defense played, um, and getting Derek Carr, who is more of a game manager, and be. I don't think they're going to be turning the ball over nearly as much. I think that they're going to be able to finish some drives a lot better. And like Mitch said, they have a better Derek Carr has a better offensive line than he's had in a while, um, and so I do think that that's all going to contribute to a successful a successful season and then making the playoffs. Um, I will say, I don't think their seasons that much of a cakewalk. I mean, you like Tennessee is going to be better. Green Bay is going to be like the, with that defense alone, that's going to be a tough game and it's in Lambeau. Um, you do have to play the Patriots in, in, uh, New England, which again, it's not an easy, again, good defense. And it it's out at in Foxborough. Um, I already talked about, I I think I was the one that was highest on the Colts. So I don't think that that's really much of a, um, a shocker there. I mean, Minnesota is not gonna like Minnesota's gonna be worse, but not as bad as like they're still gonna compete. I don't like that game could go either way. Um, Detroit is going to be better. The Falcons have already said, uh, have that have the ability to, um, to challenge, um, and I've loved what Brian Dayball has done in 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 New York with the Giants, and so like I, there are there are games where it's not they're not gonna. Like, I don't think the Saints are going to walk through the schedule. I think that there are going to be times where they're going to str- struggle, especially on the offensive side of the ball, because, I mean, there's no way that Alvin Kamara gets out of the season without a suspension and Michael Thomas plays the entire season healthy. Like, when was the last time that happened? Yeah.
0: 2020? Uh,
2: Yeah, 2020. Yeah. So, like, that's – yeah. Like, you would need a perfect set of things to happen, and then, you know – You'd have to have um, you know, AT Perry play amazing, um, and have, you know, Jamal Williams do great in this defense, you know, force a lot more turnovers for them to get to 12 and five. Like there's gonna have a lot of things would have to happen for them to get to 12 and five for me. But nine and eight is respectful. It gets you in the playoffs. You are the four seed for me. Um, yep, you are the four seed for me because you did win your division. So, but I mean, I don't think it's easy and I think it comes down to that last week.
0: Yeah, um, so I have him going Bro. uh ten and seven and winning. How am I the, the lowest on Um uh so my big issues with the Saints, I don't I don't see him going twelve and five, and nowhere near that. My big issue with the Saints is you went two and four in division last year in an NFC South and you got and swept would, by the Panthers. You swept. got swept by the Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in an NFC South that I would argue was objectively maybe worse last year than we're expecting them to be this year as a whole, right? Um you have a lot of opponents on this list who are who can kind of go 50-50, you know, if Green Bay is 10 and 7 at the end of the year, if the Lions are are uh, a playoff caliber team like we expect, if Minnesota doesn't take a huge step back, if Jacksonville takes that step forward that we expect, if the Giants are, you know, can continue to build on what they had last season, this schedule has the opportunity to be fairly brutal, I'm not ready to write off the Rams yet. I mean, you know, with with Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and, and Aaron Donald fully healthy, this is still a, a decent Rams team that can compete in the NFL. Wait, they, wait, they Brady, just
2: just to make sure, five and twelve is not writing them off, because that's where you have them going.
0: Well, my whole thing, and you can go back to the Rams episode, was that five and 12 is that I truly don't expect any of those guys to stay healthy for the whole season. Fair enough. And yeah, with I a week, you. with a week 16 matchup. Yeah. The likelihood of that happening is fairly high, but if it does happen when those guys have all stayed healthy together, we've seen really good seasons out of the Rams there. Um, Hopefully new England takes a step forward with actually having an offensive coordinator, you know, but I, I agree that where this Saints team is going to make their bread and butter is going to be these divisional games. The Saints, on paper, are better than all three other teams in the NFC South. This is a Saints team that should go four and two, five and one, six and zero in division next year. And if they do that, twelve and five isn't out of the likelihood. Ten and seven is where I feel comfortable though. I think they are going to drop a couple of divisional games. I think they're going to drop a couple of games that they probably shouldn't. When you look at games against Houston, Indianapolis, Chicago, uh, one of those matchups against Atlanta, or even one of those matchups against Tampa Bay, it's very easy to see the Saints dropping a couple of games that they shouldn't. My other problem with the Saints is depth, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Because if you lose one of your core guys at any level on defense for an extended period of time, I'm afraid that that entire part of the defense will fall apart. If Cam Jordan goes down for six or eight weeks, or if Demario Davis or Zach Bond do, or if Ty Matthew or Marshawn Lattimore do, I really worry that you have the depth back there to make up for that because you you really don't across the board, especially on your defensive line. You're putting a lot of faith in guys like Nate Shepard, um, uh. Uh, Kalen Saunders and your two rookies in Brian Bracy and Isaiah Foskey um, to kind of step in and and take that step up. I'm also hoping to see more of a step up out of guys like Alante Taylor um, and Paulson uh, Adebo next year. Some some second and third year guys in your secondary. Ten and seven is where I have have them finishing. Um, I have them winning the NFC South and making the playoffs there. I don't have them making some sort of massive title run, but. If your defense stays solid and your offense can be a little bit more consistent, this is definitely a Saints team that can find themselves in the playoffs again, even with my massive problems with Dennis Allen as a head coach. Um, So... Alrighty, so uh, I, I believe each of us have the NFC South being won by the Saints, which will bring us to our first division title winner, I, I think, of all of our team previews. Mitch, with that being said, 12 and 5, is that your big prediction for the Saints or do you have an even bigger one for us?
1: No, I I can I don't know if it's bigger, but uh I have a different one. Um I think that uh Chris Olave this season makes second team all pro. Um Ooh. I thought he put up some I thought he put up some great stats with uh, you know between having Andy Dalton, James Winston, and probably Taysom Hill at times as quarterback. So to get a guy like Derek Carr, um, who's a major upgrade in all three of those guys, I think that puts him in a better position to uh, boost those stats, and I think he really uh, takes that next step forward this year and makes second team all pro. Um,
2: yeah, no, I I can see it. I can see it. Um, I'm gonna go with because again we don't know the Alvin Kamara situation. Um, I'm gonna go with running back room combines for. Uh, fifteen hundred yards and fifteen touchdowns. There you go.
0: Okay, 1,515. and and fifteen, believable. Yep. I mean, what Jamal Williams had seventeen on his own last year. Um.
2: Yeah, hey, Jamal granted, Williams w- went fucking off last year.
0: But granted, I think what was the statistic? I think like fifteen of his seventeen touchdowns were within one yard or something. It's <laughs> like when.
2: It's like when LeGarrette Blood led the, led the league in, in rushing touchdowns. It was very similar.
0: Yeah. Um, here's my big uh, prediction. Michael Thomas has only played in 10 games over the last two seasons. I think he plays in 10 games this year. Um, okay. I'm not going to fully commit to him playing a full season. I'm not even going to fully commit to him playing like 13 or 14 games. Let's just hope that we can get 10 games out of Michael Thomas. Because based off of his statistics, his percentages, if you get 10 games out of Michael Thomas, you stand a pretty decent shot at getting close to 1,000 yards and probably like six to seven touchdowns out of him, which considering that you've only gotten uh, uh, about 600 yards and three touchdowns in the last two seasons out of him would be a huge improvement. Um, but the guy is he's, hes starting to get up there, unfortunately. He's, he's 30 right now, which I know is crazy um, for the NFL, but when you hit 30 and you've had a hard time staying on the field, it's, it, it's hard for the fan stock to go right back into the player. So I'll say that Michael Thomas starts in at least 10 games this year, Mitch, if you had to pick one player position group, uh, uh, uh any aspect of the saints that you think is going to make or break this season for them, what would it be?
1: Um, I'm going to go with the twofer and I think it's their, uh, you know, former offensive superstars, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Um, Michael Thomas, you know, if he's able to be healthy, they have one of the best wide receiver duos in the league. And I think that's a huge boon for uh, Derek Carr. And um I think Jamal Williams is going to do a great job, but if Alvin Kamara gets back to his prime, um you know, I think obviously the run game benefits because of it, but, um, if Derek Carr is able to have Prime Alvin Kamara and Prime Michael Thomas before the injury, um, I think it helps them win the NFC South obviously, and makes them a really sneaky contender given how good their defense can be. So, if those two guys can stay healthy and show the uh, show the league uh, what we're accustomed to, um, it the sky's the limit for this team. But if Michael Thomas can't even stay up. Uh, 10 game starts like you think he can and if the Alvin Kamara suspension happens and and he comes back for them and comes back from that and he has a similar season to last year then it's really gonna sink their chances uh for the second year role in my opinion of uh being the team that they have the potential to be freaking stole mine
0: um You want me to go? Do you need a second? Yeah, please. All righty. I'll go with the two young corners that they have, Paulson Adebo and Alante Taylor. Um, Two guys who are heading into their second and third seasons, respectively, I believe. Uh, you know, going back to when we talked about the Saints in, uh, season in review, you need to be able to force turnovers. Um, These are two guys who I believe are both looking for their first career interceptions. Um, but these are two guys who are going to have to step up. Now you have other corners. You know, Marshawn Lattimore is still a fantastic, defensive back um uh, marcus may is uh expected to be back and fully healthy at safety tyron matthew so so you're gonna have other guys who are gonna be able to lock it down you're gonna get the one on one matchups that are gonna be really attractive to quarterbacks especially the young quarterbacks in your division to uh to target it's up to you guys to take that next step and to force those turnovers a because it looks really good when you go for a contract extension for a Saints team that is hard-pressed to be able to give them out in the next couple of years, but B, when you have an offense that on paper looks very good, but but as we've seen throughout last season, needed a lot of help to put points on the board, if those two guys can step up, can get a couple of interceptions, can take that next step and be really solid corners behind or across from Marshawn Lattimore, they stand a very good chance of being uh, a very successful team next year. Now that me and Mitch have taken Skyler's one, two, three, and four option, Skyler, uh, uh, who do you who do you think is going to be uh, the standout guy, or who, who do you think is the most important guy for next season?
2: It's really fucking like just awful because like literally, I was like, I was just looking up a depth chart so that I knew who their starting secondary was, <laughs> and then you immediately went, "We need Marshawn Lattimore and Paulson Adebo to stuff. I was like, "Fucking goddamn!" Paulson
0: Debo and Elante Taylor.
2: Alante Terry sorry, Martian Lenimore is not really that young. Um, I'm gonna go with their third, I'm gonna go with third receiving option, whoever that turns out to be. Um, I'm gonna rule out like running backs just in general, because I know Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams are going to be able to get um they're they're gonna get receptions, but I'm talking like wide receivers. So whether that's Rashid Shahid, uh whether that's James Washington, whether it's AT uh A.T. Perry, Traquan Smith. Remember how like how high we were on Tra- Traquan Smith coming out of um, UCF, um, what, like five or six years ago now? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, mm-hmm. one of those guys needs to emerge. One of those guys needs to kind of um uh, show up and be that third option. Jawan Johnson had some pretty good games for the Saints last year um, at tight end, but that that's what he's listed now as tight end. And I, I don't know if he would actually be a true tight end. He's more of that kind of flex kind of, kind of guy. And so it's one of those uh, – like, one of those players needs to show up. Because we know for a fact that Michael Thomas probably isn't going to play a full season. And so you're going to have to have someone that Rashid Shaed and Juwan Johnson had good games but Like, there needs to be more consistency in it where you give Derek Carr three, give him three solid wide receiver options. um, And then you can add the weapons that are Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams um, into that mix. And then you can, you can put in and then, you know, Taysom Hill. Who's listed as the third string tight end and the fourth string quarterback, um, you can put like a Taysom him as Taysom Hill as like a gadget player, all these different kinds of things to make opponent offense potent offense and get to the kind of highs that Mitch can see, um, but you need you need a third wide receiver to step up to get there.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know about you guys. I would love to see the Saints step away from Taysom Hill. I, I, I just
2: i I get why you say that, but i I think he's still a ga- like as long as he's on roster, use him
0: you know, and I get his gadgetry and if it's if it was a situation where they like really used it in the red zone and stuff i I would probably be perfectly fine with it when it's like a second and seven on your own like twenty eight yard line and you're running a taysom hill outside sweep or some crap like that it 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 it, it just doesn't work really and and hopefully with the moves that they made by adding guys like Jamal Williams, drafting the, the, the halfback at the TCU that they took, um, and taking guys like A.T. Perry, bringing in Foster Moreau, that they are kind of getting away from that and are maybe going to go back to a more conventional NFL-style offense. But I do like what Skyler brought up about the multiple targets because, go back and listen to our Raiders episode, folks, we highlighted the fact that Derek Carr was lasering his throws to Devontae Adams all season. Part of it was, you know, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller not being healthy for a good amount of the year. But if Derek Carr locks in on a guy, unfortunately, he has a tendency to only throw it to that guy. So hopefully that's not what Michael Thomas or Chris Olave turned into. Um, Mitch can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe our next episode, we are covering uh, our third AFC South team uh, as we talk about the uh, Tennessee Titans and some of the uh, rebuilding that they've done added uh offensive line early in the draft just signed DeAndre Hopkins as their new uh kind of star wide receiver Is it official?
2: Receiver. Did he go through now?
0: Yeah. Uh, I believe it did go about, through. Yeah. Okay. Um uh so we'll talk about all of that as well as as you know bringing in possibly the new franchise quarterback and Will Levis, what the future of ryan Tannehill looks like, how we think the Tennessee Titans are going to do going forward now that it's not so obvious that they're the undisputed champs of the AFC South. So tune in when we cover the Titans. Email us your thoughts either on the Saints, on any team that we've covered, the Titans upcoming, or any team that we are getting ready to cover. You can email us at fourthstringsp at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R-T-H string at gmail.com. We have so much content planned for you guys. We have our college football previews that we have to start doing here pretty soon. Because our first college football games are in what? Four weeks? Like a month, I yeah. believe. A little, um, a little
1: yeah. Next week it'll be a month.
0: Next week it'll be a month. Um the NFL season kicks off uh uh in the second week of September there. Um and basketball actually starts up pretty really soon here on both I'm a collegiate and uh professional level. Also as well as baseball's still currently happening. And the Yankees Also I'd like so to
2: point hard. out the Women's World Cup starts this week as well um and the women need are trying to 3 and you know what i think they got a chance
0: did you see so so two things to that shout out to um the greater dc area for passing legislation that allows their bars to stay open longer so that people can watch the women's world cup um and secondly if you guys can find if i find it i'll send it to you guys or we'll have mitch post it but uh uh The French national team did like a really cool. Yeah, that that adds fucking great. It was it was it was all of these highlights of the supposed men's team, you know, who had who had just gone to another World Cup. Um uh but it was all it was all AI. They they had basically covered over the highlights of the females and were like, hey, you know, this quality of play is something that you can watch also. And they were these insane highlights um so yeah support um your women's team um if whoever you root for but we're we're rooting for the u.s
2: yeah if you're trying to find if you are scared about trying to watch a soccer game like by yourself and you don't want to just sit at home and watch it like you know me in the past go on to american outlaws um which uh american outlaws like soccer um, and it is an organization that is basically the U.S. men's or the U.S. national team's uh, like official fan organization. And they have a list of bars throughout the throughout the country that uh, specifically watch uh, US, U.S. national team soccer. Um, and you can go and watch soccer with a bunch of other, you know, crazy nerds. Um, and I, I will say, because it is in Australia and in New Zealand, the games are going to be much later. Um, first match for the United States is against Vietnam at eight o'clock. Um, we'll see if our women are better at the, against round the two, Vietnamese baby. Than
0: men. <laughs> yeah. Round two school board. <laughs> um, so, um, and if you do plan on, on watching these games, go out and support your local, um, uh, pubs and restaurants and places that are going to be showing them. That's how you get that. That's just how you continue to grow a fan base. You'll meet some of the best people. Um, Who knows? Maybe we'll do like a, maybe we'll do like a live react women's soccer game uh, episode where we just watch. We should do the one that's at two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, We appreciate you guys for tuning in. Have a fantastic night. Thanks for listening to the four string sports podcast.